In November of 1977, moviegoers were presented with the fictional experience of a town dealing with the unexplainable UFO phenomenon in Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. One of the classic scenes is the town's police force chasing brilliantly lit UFOs over the interstates and backroads of the beset-upon town. Eleven years later would see the scenario seemingly reversed when an Australian family of four were reportedly pursued at speeds of up to 125 miles per hour along a stretch of desert road by an unknown object. The four family members would claim the object even landed on the roof of their car and felt the vehicle being lifted into the air. This case file joined the theorists as they packed their bags for an Aussie cross-country UFO trip in The Knowles Family UFO Attack. to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 265. When aliens attack the Knowles family encounter. I'm Brayden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. Woo! You, you heard that it. right. When aliens attack. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this was like, it's, yeah, it's like normally when animals attack, not anymore. <laughs> I tell you, I I don't know what the Knowles family was like before the attack, but they seem like shells of humans after. <laughs> Defeated, <laughs> Defeated humans. Like, like, you want to drive anymore? No. No. You want to go not. back? No. <laughs> well, buddy, listen, like, you got to, there's, there's hesitancy getting behind the wheel after a fucking car accident. Imagine after yeah. this shit. I'd be like, nah, fuck that shit. I'll walk, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh... Uh, yeah, so th this this case is really great. Number one, it's an Aussie case, which are always super fun. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Um, <laughs> well, it was uh, good. It was nice to know because when they were talking about speed limits and speed and distance, I was like, oh, I, I understand all this. Yeah, <laughs> I know these. I get these. these I know these references. <laughs> uh, these units of measurements make sense to me. They're not all arbitrary or named after parts of the body. <laughs> as soon as we... Uh, as soon as we just pick this one and I started going through it. I'm like, oh, this would be, there's so many, so much good material for like skits and shit. And I'm like, literally the only, like we're terrible at all accents, but I can't like, I can't even make Australian sounds come out of my mouth. Oh, it's a I can't, accent. like I can't at all. Like I, I listen and I'll try and I, there's no way. They, I can say, just, I can say razor blades. That's it. Say it. <laughs> say it. Razor blades. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. That's way better than anything I can do. That's it, but that's all I got. Good eye, rise oblides. That's pretty good. Uh, so this case file takes us back to January 20th of 1988, and the Knowles family Great fucking uh, was, <laughs> was, the, uh, was traveling on a family trip cross-country from the city of Perth, from where they were from, to the... To, over to Melbourne, um, which they would have passed through a number it's pronounced of Melbourne, actually. Melbourne. Melbourne. They'll make Sorry, fun of you if you, don't, if you say Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne. So how do you how do you how do you pronounce Kuma Bigadup? <laughs> Kuma Bigadup. Yep. You had that or, one right, I think. 
All right. Uh, yeah. What about? Uh, oh, this one's easy to pronounce. Uh, they probably would have. They may have passed you know through the great town of Salmon Gums. Salmon Gums. About the the Melbourne is all the Aussies are going to react just like we did when Dan said Newfoundland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're all going to be like, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> um, hilarious. What was it? What salmon? What? Uh, salmon. Salmon gums. S a l. Spelled we, like salmon gums. Funny like enough, sal- the we, fish. We're yeah, but we we live close to a salmon arm. This is true. Okay. Right? True. So and I think it's it, gums. Yeah, salmon gums. Right. Salmon don't I think it's part of the when, don't when, have you're arms. A, when you're a British colony, you have to have some sort of you know salmon, salmon body name like art. a. Like yeah. a fish with a, a body part it wouldn't normally have. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a salmon tail somewhere. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Uh, what about cockle bitty? <laughs> yeah. 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 I like cockle, cockle bitty. Yeah. That's, that describes <laughs> me in a nutshell. Uh, so, uh, the Knowles family probably would have caught, it would have been just a little bit past cockle bitty, uh, as they were nearing the city of Mundrabilla. It's, these are great names. I just like just call Byron and ask for clarification. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the family was driving in their 1984 blue Ford Telstar sedan uh, with luggage, according to some reports, that were that was on a roof rack, supposedly. Yeah. Um, so National Lampoon style, mm. yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> yeah, bit, yeah. Yeah. stacked to the tits. Uh, so Faye Knowles and her three sons, Patrick, who is 24, Sean, who is 21 and Wayne, who is 18. Uh, Sean was driving at the time and his older brother was in the seat beside him. So they were on a road near Mundrabilla. Somebody's going to, I hope somebody corrects me for all of these things. Mundrabilla. Uh, which is a small village about 750 miles east of Perth. So it's about halfway on the trip, like this, the road that they were taking, I, I assume. Because uh, there's only really like one road that runs all the way there, <laughs> uh, and this was on the uh, the what is known as the Iyer uh, Highway, and which is in the the vast desert of southern Australia. And I think people often forget how much of Australia is unpopulated and is just uninhabitable. Yeah, desert. like all the isn't it like all the middle basically? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Ninety nine percent of Australia is just uninhabitable. Like and- all of the population lives on the coast. What's that clicking? Oh, just started. Somebody's phone. Could have been a phone. Was it me? It's gone. Weird. Anyways, yeah. And Perth is like the. I'm pretty sure it's the most isolated, like big city in the entire world. It's like thou. It's like two thousand plus kilometers from the nearest next city. (laughs) This is the fucking way out there. The next city is like Adelaide, which is like two thousand k away. Yeah, and it was like they'd already been on the road for about thirteen hours straight because I guess the family had just gone and decided to do shift driving all the way oh. there. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, I, you know what? For some reason, I didn't read the shift driving, so I thought uh, Sean had just crushed the third. And I was like, dude, I've I've done that. What do you I've mean? Done just that from- fucking. Pop a couple amphetamines and drive for drive forever. Three hundred fifty. No, dude, I I've <laughs> With done all your family I've, in the car. <laughs> I've done that. I've done a fourteen John to Kelowna, which is like twelve, and I've done that in one shot, and it is dude, that's a grind. Big, well, because I was thinking, I was like, you know, if there's a chance that Sean halluc, like when I was like, okay, well, 
was there any hallucination that was like, well, yeah, maybe if you drive, even popping what? Well, yeah, buddy, fucking, it's either he's making piss jugs or he's got urinary retention. That's yeah, right, and he's just hallucinating. But then this makes crazy. way more sense um, that they were doing shift work on the drive. <laughs> Genius. Uh, so, but even though they had been driving in shifts, uh, it, it depends on which report you read. Now, some of the family may have been asleep, but also they all may have been awake at the time, which you know makes that's that's a good bit different. It's good. It's good road trip etiquette, though, right? It's like you never like. I get it. If you're in the back seat, you get a pass. But if you're in the if you're in the front seat with a driver, you got to stay like away. Co pilot, right? Yeah, you're, you're co pilot, right? Yeah. Like it's you have just as important of a job, right? You got to hand them the snacks. You got to open them napkins, right? Oh, radio up down. <laughs> well, you're on the radio. Listen, this is a this is an Aussie road trip. You know, they're banging some Jimmy Barnes, working class man. Nobody's <laughs> sleeping. Everybody's pounding the roof and having a great time. You know what? Realistically, I guarantee you, I bet there's no radio reception through most of drive, so they're crushing tapes, so they're right? It. Hey, flip the tape. So they're right? singing it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's no for tapes sure. only singing, boys. No, Karaoke. I, I bet you it's the Hilltop Hoods is what they're listening to. Were they <laughs> around? Hoods? Were they around in '88? You ever heard? Uh, was it Nosebleed Section? The only, that's the only song I remember. It's like a Aussie Beastie Boys group. Oh really? <laughs> They're good. Oh man, I don't Beast know. I don't boys. know they can, hey, listen, Jimmy Barnes is something else. If you've never heard of Jimmy Barnes, you need to look him up. Uh, so they may or may not have been listening to Jimmy Barnes in the uh, early wee morning hours between sometime between two forty-five a.m. and five thirty a.m. is when these events are uh, when these events occurred. Now, Sean and Patrick, being in the front seat, uh, reported noticing some type of bright light that appeared in the sky ahead of them. And Sean asked Patrick, apparently like the, it, it had been on their minds. This is 1988. The UFO phenomenon is, has begun and people know about this that, you know, jokingly asked him perhaps, you know, Hey, could that maybe be a spaceship? You know, you'd run a little low on sleep. You might want to kind of come up with these kinds of ideas. And, um, and so they decided that this light, which seemed to be in front of them and not far, they decided to try and chase and catch up to the object. I, um, first thing I, don't I would think, think that's a, yeah. That, <laughs> secondly, is like to be honest, I'm like it's, that point in the story. I was like when I read that and like listened to that, I'm like, isn't that what anyone does? Because if I've ever seen, if I've ever been with anyone at night and I see a weird, any kind of weird light, I go, is that a spaceship? <laughs> Literally every time, UFO. And it'll be a plane. I'll be like, ah, oh. but my first thing is always like, spaceship, UFO, go it's right there. Uh, yeah, I uh, suppose uh, they saw, they, nah. they saw the light and they probably What's judged that, that they could catch it. <laughs> Let's not go over there. Yeah. Let's stay away. Let's actually go in the opposite direction of yeah. that. I'm not sure what it is. It's kind of weird. Well, well, I turn think, this car around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it seemed to be positioned like on on the straight like ahead of them. So it wasn't it wasn't too far. I think they judged it uh within like catching distance, which also seems kind of iffy because it's like you have your entire family in the car and you want to like speed up to like try and catch something like I I guess they were traveling at well, a highway speed. I don't know what the speed limit is on that or even yeah, if they have a speed limit there. There's no cops out let's there. Let's also imagine Who's behind the wheel? It's probably one of the either twenty-one or twenty-four-year-old boys. It's like, Sean. He's twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. fucking go, boys. <laughs> Jimmy you know, Barnes is bumping. <laughs> Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Mom's in the back. <laughs> yeah. White knuckled in the back. Yeah. yeah. 
what they reported seeing as they kind of got near it and they they took in a bit more details about this craft was they said that this light that they were observing was shaped like an egg and it seemed to be moving just back and forth just tiny bits <laughs> just above the road and I I mean, when they say you, yeah when they Dan, say I just, egg <laughs> i have to interrupt you here because they never say egg if you watch any interview interview with these people they go well what was the shape and like they all sit like dead silent just staring off in the distance and then one of them reluctantly goes like uh i don't know like this <laughs> right yeah they make that they make the motion about like it's some kind <laughs> like, of circular like, shape fucking, circle teardrop egg like just say any shape that it's close to he's like it's hard to explain uh yeah and i yeah i think the reports that uh, about this case like uh, if you go into to research this case it's like people say egg and but they kind of get that from the shape that he draws in the air in the interview <laughs> and then also the fact that they said like they described that the light was kind of white on the outside and then on the inside was like it was a bit more yellowish so well, like a you know a, a fried egg i suppose and, i don't know well, like <laughs> i kind of thought of it as um like a teardrop shape to be honest from like the descriptions and stuff and, and how it moved that we're getting to later. Like I kind of pictured in my head based on his, his circular and kind of drawing down that, like it was kind of like a teardrop or like a, like a, like a sperm kind of shape. <laughs> Maybe not so long of a tail, but. <laughs> uh, so as they, as a they approach the sperm are two very different shapes. Adam. I don't think so. <laughs> what are you talking about? Let me, Nah, brain's, brain's, brain's the one who puts the the star shape in the, the square in the square yeah, hole. But without <laughs> the tail, it's like a fucking egg. It's going back to the egg. <laughs> teardrop, <Yeah>. teardrop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll stick with teardrop then. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's good. Uh, so. Apparently what happened is that this this shape, as they got near to it, decided to come towards them and started maneuvering closer to their car. And Sean actually had to swerve and maneuver around uh, this object. And with this uh, with this sudden motion, uh, he, he it pulled him over into the, the opposite lane. And they say that he narrowly avoided crashing into another oncoming vehicle, which was like another car <laughs> or truck with, or that was pulling a caravan, a trailer it like, behind it. If, if everyone wasn't awake if everyone wasn't awake at this point already i would have said motherfucker fell asleep <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> fell asleep at the wheel right ah, there's an alien or something but right just as covering a shock but the problem is is everyone was already up and everyone was seeing this right and from the description what i kind of pictured is as they're tailing this thing this thing kind of just starts left and right as it's moving and then seemingly turns and just comes at them, he swerves, and then whatever this thing is, just pivots, turns, and is now on them, like tracking, following them. Right, so as they swerved to to maneuver around the the light, the light went past them and then pulled a U-turn, like Brayden said, and now is seems to be pursuing their car uh, at you know at, at a pacing speed behind them. So uh, Sean, you know, checking the rearview mirror, realizes that this this craft is turning around and coming back in their direction again. Uh, Sean guns it and says that he got up to in the reports. I think he got up to about what two hundred kilo kilometers and, kilometers and, and per will, hour. And let's two things about this. Two things about going two hundred kilometers an hour. One. Uh, super fast, super dangerous. In what kind of car? In, in 
And this Ford Telestar. Everyone, listen, <laughs> everyone knows every car made before 2001 at about 160, just death rattle. Just like, <laughs> like, wow. you're type of wild. Car. Type of car. It's a, if, if you forgot what it looks like, Google, Google it right now. Well, it's not it, built for speed. I'll tell no, you that. Yeah, no, picture it trying no, to go no. 200K and it's not. It, that's it's like you about though, to fall apart. Because it's like, so we, like we know that the boy, the, the family made a conscious decision like we're going to follow this fucking light. So they're well, speeding up to follow yeah. it. But it's not like it's it's deviating off, right? It's like one no, light. No, no. Like, yeah. But, but it's I, still like, it's like it, it, yeah. they made the conscious decision. We're going to follow this fucking light. And it's almost like the light realizes, hey, these motherfuckers are following us, does a quick, like an invasive maneuver and fucking's like, now who's following who, motherfucker? Yeah. Right? Like, it's like, maybe they would have just left them be if they wouldn't have made it obvious that they were trying to follow them. Or maybe put some sort of conscious thought out there, yeah? To it, because that Because all of a sudden you're into, a threat. You're like, why are well, you following us? You're a threat. They see us. What are we going to do? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a, that's a good point. I, you know, as we kind of get into some other points of this theory, I'll, I've got some other points that'll kind of tie into that. So uh, apparently now before either before, depending on which reports you read before or, uh, you know, a little bit after he decided to go, you know, full throttle uh, down the road, uh, Sean performed several U-turns in the road, but the objects seemed to stay on their tail the entire on, time. Locked on target. Yeah. And, and, and during one of these, you know, one of their trying to, to escape, you know, they keep driving. They said that there was this large, the entire family heard like a large thump on the roof. Thump or thunk. Dude, uh, that would the- be fucking terrifying. Could you imagine you're like, it gives me anxiety thinking about it. You're, something's in pursuit of you. And you just hear like, you're like, it's on the roof. Something's <laughs> well, on the roof. Think about like, how, is there a more vulnerable position to be in? You're seated strapped into this moving vehicle and something's on top of you. No. Like you, what are you going to fucking do? You're doing 200 fucking kilometers. It's not like you can just jump out. Like, oh man, that'd be <laughs> terrifying. Well, it's like, you, what do you do? Stop? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would, no, I'd have to. Uh, what you do apparently is you do what Faye Knowles do and you reach outside to feel on top of the car to find out what had landed on your roof. <laughs> it's that everybody knows. That's like, that's like sticking your hand underneath your bed. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's the second worst thing you could possibly yeah, do. You, you don't fucking do that. Yeah, yeah. You drop you drop your charger at night. Your charger cable at night. Gone. It's gone. It's gone. You buy a new one. You yeah. buy a fucking new one. Yeah. Is, Wait till morning. I, buy a new I don't one. even. Yeah. I don't yeah. even step <laughs> off my bed. I stand on it. I take a running leap to the door. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. You've installed like some like monkey bars so you don't have to touch the floor. You can kind of get yeah, out of your room. No, a, big, no. a big swing out there. It's just one of them pull-up bars that attaches or, to the... I grab it and swing myself out of the bedroom. Box springs straight on the ground. No bedroom. Yeah. Then yeah. I turn ready Eliminate for a fight all the butt naked. Yep. Right? Just ready. So same same thing, yeah. If you hear a thud on the roof while you're driving... So he sticks his arm out of the out of the vehicle well, to Faye, see what's yeah, on Faye, the, Faye the roof. Faye does. She, see, she yeah. sticks her arm out onto the roof and... She recalls finding something up there that wasn't supposed to be up there. And she described it as feeling either uh, a spongy or rubbery and hot to the touch. Oh, it's like the mist. A hot, a hot fucking sponge suction cup, like on top of your roof. Now, one of the things I couldn't quite figure out was by this account. Go go ahead. Well, just like she says, she says it's hot and it's spongy. So it's almost like at the same time, like what else is, can be hot and spongy? Like flesh. Yeah. Oh, so I, right? I also, like, I also think of like right away, I kind of thought of like, this is some, maybe some sort of living tissue. 
Yeah. Right? And then the secondly, that I couldn't quite figure out was at this point in time, by the accounts I was reading, it's like they're st- still in pursuit. So I wasn't sure, or it's something still in pursuit of them. So I wasn't sure if this is, you know, a separate object or if this is the same object and they've lost the sight of the light for momentarily, right? I wasn't sure. So when Faye retracted her arm back into the car after touching whatever was on the roof, it was uh, gone. <laughs> yeah, her, her hand got just a bone. Fucking spurting out. What is it? No. You know that warmth was her own blood. That's what she did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when she retracted her arm back in, it was. Uh, complete it was intact uh but it also was sporting a coating of some type of strange black dust is what they described um on her hand um and then what another imagine from the descriptions just to paint it a little picture is like from the descriptions i imagine if you put your hand in like a fireplace soot right and pulled it out like Mm, all that just like dusk particle where it's like as you rub it it trying to goes from dust to like like you know the charcoal on your skin and fingers and so now this is when the family experienced a sensation they all described experiencing the same thing that they felt that the car was actually being physically lifted off the highway. Oh, shit. Like the car was being lifted up. I, I assume it's like when you when you kind of go over one of those, you go over a hill a little bit, that, that you know, you feel your stomach kind of go up. Yeah, yeah you your can stomach feel the suspension. Drops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a very big bump at 200 kilometers an hour would probably give you that sensation. <laughs> well, the other thing is too, is like, because I, I thought about that. If when I used to have a, when I was reckless when I was younger and you're driving that fast, sometimes with your suspension, you kind of get that like, that feeling when you're driving that fast, like especially when you're driving a fucking 96 Astro van with no shocks, like you get this like really like, like you're almost flying above the, above the road. But so I kind of thought it was that except they all described being dropped right after. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, yeah. So the sensation only lasted for like a brief moment and then the they said the car felt like it was suddenly just dropped uh, to the ground and either during like when they were being pulled up or right after they were dropped they said that they reported also uh, some type of strange smell and uh, some type of gr- like a gray smoke or a thick mist actually filling oh the God. car this is and, the mist yeah, which all of this actually preceded what is one of the 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 events that is mostly described as the, probably the strangest is that they all recall like their voices in the car because I'm sure they're all screaming at each other at this point. Um, all their voices seem to they describe them slowing down or sounding low pitched. Oh man! I want a fucking gun in your neck. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Uh, Rise of brides. Yeah, it's one of the descriptions of one of the one of the sons said. He said it's not though the voices were coming out of us like deep and slow. It's almost like when you talk, your voice slowed from leaving your 
like after leaving your mouth, like the sound, just like, like, but it wasn't them talking slow. Like he's like, it was, he's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's interesting because remember, like, I don't know, we probably talked about it, but like how they feel like being dropped after, right? Yeah. After the sensation, it's like, you know, everything's slowing down. So maybe that's the, maybe there's missing time there. Like maybe they were actually taken and then dropped after they were done with whatever they needed to do with them. Well, like, one of the one of the boys, I think it was, I think it's Wayne. One of them describes, he goes, at this point, he's like, it felt like my brain was being sucked out of my head. He oh, described that in weird. the car, right? Ooh. He said, he said that was the feeling that he got during this moment I, when things I slowed down. I get like that when I drink a fucking Slurpee too fast too, though. That's exact true. same <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Exact same thing. Um, the other interesting thing is like, if this is some sort of like, time distortion. We've seen this before, right? In a couple of the other uh, case files we've talked about where these people like the, you know, the bullet slowing down and, or if this is like some sort of affected area where this happens, right? So it's like if someone was watching from the outside, would they see this car moving at, at like ripping down the road, then all of a sudden just kind of like coming to a slow, right? It's, I don't know. It's interesting. And as the car landed after uh, from the, after the sensation of them being pick up, picked up, it hit the ground hard enough. It hit the road far enough that they said uh, the back right tire actually burst. So it's so fully dropped. Happened. Well, it's fully loaded. You got four. You got three full grown adults. You've got a two full, digs, uh, right? Two digs, right? And you got a fucking top full of luggage, right? Like the car's fully loaded. So yeah, I any kind of hitting too, like though, that. Well, but not only that too, like this, you, we've said that this car is on record doing 200 kilometers an hour here. A lot of these vehicles, tires aren't fucking rated for that type of speed either. The tires are, yeah, tires are The tire would be fucking compromised, right? Like these tires are ready to fucking go. And Uh, they're not meant to dukes a hazard. (laughs) No. Uh, Now, after after the tire popping, Sean reports uh, a brief period of him actually blacking out. So either by and after this time, uh, he remembers waking uh, and and running from the car, like pretty much waking up, and then everybody exiting out the car. They had pulled over to the side somehow, and they decided that the best course of action was to leave the car and. And then they were going to go hide. Everyone for themselves. (laughs) And then the entire family was going to go ahead and and take shelter in some nearby bushes to try and evade the, uh, whatever was seemed to be following the vehicle. Now, uh, they stayed within these bushes and they and they left the car for about what they said was probably around 15 minutes. It's probably 15 or 20 minutes, maybe. And then that's at that time after waiting that long and nothing happening, they, they, they went back and returned to the car and then they changed the tire since the, the object that had been harassing them uh, seemed to be gone, uh, you know, had either lost interest or, or had left uh, the area and they changed their tire and they just went on their way, uh, you know, all <laughs> sufficiently traumatized of what the, what had just happened. So the family drove on to the city of Seduna. It, be, it could be Kaduna. Somebody's going to figure, whatever. <laughs> somebody's gonna, <laughs> we, had to, we had to do the Italian cities, and now we have to do the Australian cities. <laughs> so I'm sure, I hope somebody's going to uh, correct me. But they well, drove 600 will, kilometers then. nonstop uh, to, to Seduna, and um, they contacted the police uh, from there to actually, you know, right after this happened, to report uh, the incident. Now, 
there's kind of a funny thing is like whether I bet they didn't sleep for that last 600. Yeah. Um, There is some debate because there is a town between that, that like halfway between uh, where they encountered the craft and Seduna, apparently like, I guess 300 kilometers, they could have stopped at another town, but they kept going. Um, They kept going and they got to that place. And then they decided to uh, from, I think they stopped at like a roadside motel uh, for, you know, for the morning or whatever, and then decided to give a call to the, the police and report what had just happened. So I guess the, the, the officer that was responsible for taking their call was named Sergeant Jim Ferno. And he, um, he, you know, noticed right off the bat that the family was noticeably distraught. Um, he kind of compared it that this family seemed almost like they had lost, like uh, their their emotional state was was similar to uh, a family that had lost someone close to them. Like they yeah, were all the just fucking kinda... grandma on the roof gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, when they when they actually got, um, you know, they had the the family come in and they had them take their reports, and uh, you know, they the, the police were actually there um, and able to gather forensic evidence, you know, material from the car which they had reported with that hadn't been there before. Uh, they 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 did a tape test, which I guess is like you know they just took a piece of tape and then they just kind of like slapped it on different portions of the car to like lift up look at fingerprints stuff, yeah, yeah. alien prints. <laughs> And the, the police actually recommended that the family contact the UFO Research Australia or Euphora, um, who were uh, keen to kind of do their own forensic testing in the car. You know, they had dealt, people who had dealt with these UFO uh, reports in the past, and you know, had experience, more experience with this. They, you know, the police told them, like, "Yeah, go is, contact these people." Awesome. Hey, that is yeah. awesome. Right. Because I was going to say, like, not only to me, I'm like, that's not a one-off. That means there's enough people coming with weird stuff where they're like, you should talk to these people. Yeah, this isn't our expertise. Well, and the, like, and not only that, too, it's like, this is this just happened. How many cases do we hear of where it's like, oh, the UFO investigators talked to them fucking 65 years later? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this yeah. is brand new. This is fresh. They're getting the, like, the firsthand story, like, right away. There's no telephone game. It's like, this, like it's an ideal situation. Yeah, the next and the next 36 hours would be a whirlwind of of events for the Knowles family, but maybe we should take a break before getting into all of this. Yeah, just that, before that we get to the, the media <laughs> circus that follows this case, we gotta take a short break, grab a beer, and we'll be right back. We're back. <laughs> uh so yeah we're we're talking about the the whirlwind of media coverage that that followed the Knowles family because this thing got out it got out pretty quick like as soon almost as soon as they leaked it or they we reported to the police this somehow got leaked out to the media and this just threw up an entire um you know it, it seemed like almost every news network wanted to get in on this because apparently the family was caught because they decided to continue their trip on to Melbourne, um, but they uh, to, or actually to Melbourne to meet with the UFO Research uh, Australia people. They were gonna they were actually going to meet with them and then you know so the UFO could do their own interviews and do their um, you know gather any evidence. You know, a, a fresh UFO report is a kind of like Andrew said, this is something really exciting. You you have very small window to get some accurate, actual accurate data to, to kind of, uh, to put together. And so 
Um, on their way to meet with them, the family was actually caught and approached by uh, either it's either Frank Pangalo or an actual or, or a representative of his uh, who were with Channel Seven News at the time, and um, they they caught them at the town of Wudina, 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 and the Channel Seven apparently. Um, they offered, went ahead and offered the family $5,000, like Ooh. right then and there, for an exclusive interview uh, that would appear at on the program uh, at the time, which was called Hinch at Seven, which was a popular evening news program. Um, you know, this this literally like hours after they had this, they had seen this, right? So like, like they, they wanted the, the exclusive story so they could put it on the news like that night. Um and so, but the terms uh, which would be agreed to, they would pay them $5,000 and this $5,000 would include um, a term that involved that no other media uh, outlet would have access to the family or their car. Ooh. So everything was going to be kept off, you know, nobody could, everything was off limits to anyone else uh, if they took, the, if they went ahead and took this money. Five grand doesn't and, seem like a lot of money, in my opinion, for... Exclusive, exclusive, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, though, for like, I, I was like, nowadays, you would not get five thousand dollars at all, <laughs> right? For for this, for this. But there's no this exclusive story. anything. You'd anymore. be lucky yeah. to get fucking a couple likes on Facebook with yeah, that story. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so it's it's like to me, I was like by by that standard, I was like yes, but I was like at the same time, I get it because you're like, we want this on Channel Seven, right? This, this, you know, you're gonna get a pinch of hinch uh, on seven, and this is you're gonna see this, right? That's and nowhere else, right? This is the exclusive. So I can understand from that perspective of like these, you know, channels, because like, fuck, you turn on the news now, it's all the same shit. Doesn't matter if you just like the host, right? Who, which host? But this is like you have these fucking compelling stories that they have the exclusive. No one else talks about it, and they're not allowed to talk about it. So I can see that. And five thousand dollars. It's funny you said that you didn't think that was a lot. I was like, fuck, I, I would have jumped at that offer too. I would five grand. Yeah. Well, then, uh, yeah, you probably should have been a little bit more patient and waited because Pangalo later reported that another news outlet uh, had sent a representative that was right behind him for the Mike Willisie show, who's a famous uh, news... Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, a hack. Newsman, <laughs> news anchor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they said they would have paid $20,000 for the story. So if the family would have just waited like a couple more hours oh. and met with that representative, they they could have they yes. could have gotten offered twenty thousand dollars. Like, ah, I and I, dare, I guarantee you, that's the that's the it was out of spite, right? Oh, what you signed a thing? Well, we are gonna we are gonna offer you twenty. No, no, no. That's what Pangalo said though. That's Pangalo, the guy who offered them the five thousand dollars. He's reported yeah. that he said that they're gonna be. I mean, he wouldn't be mad about it. He'd be like. Ha. Yeah. I, well, yeah. the other thing too is he's probably bragging about it, being like, "Oh, we got such a good we deal." We got to, yeah, trying exactly. to justify it to his producers. That's like, what well, I think. Too. Somebody else would have paid twenty for this. I got it for five. All right. <laughs> so, uh, a mere thirty-six hours after this event had happened, uh, the whole family was interviewed on the evening news, and the UFO Research uh, Australia kind of got 
put out. Now they 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 continued and tried to pursue the Knowles family to to get like a sit down interview, um, and they went as far as trying to actually uh, you know uh, pro, like to get with the family members and and get the the story of their experience and conducting interviews in between. Um, them being inter- like having sit down interviews with the Channel Seven news studios in Adelaide. Now, um, because of the time frame uh, that the U, because of the time frame that they had, like the families were in and out with these interviews like all day, uh, apparently, and it was really exhausting experience. You know, having to recount this traumatic experience over and over and over again. The UFO investigators, unfortunately, were unable to get actual sit-down interviews. It was pretty much them just talking to each of the family members, like in between them going in and out of like interview rooms at the Channel Seven studios. Now, and then, the, and then afterwards, when when the UFO Research Australia approached the family, you know, formally, like, can we just have like a, a some of your time to do a sit-down interview? The family actually declined the interview with the UFO investigators um, because they pretty much said, you know, we're we're exhausted, like we don't want to talk about it we're anymore. Done. Um, and then they just they left uh, for and you know the. Some of the reports say they're just like an undisclosed location, but they probably just didn't tell anyone like where they were going. <laughs> like, um, but this this undisclosed location was actually uh, a family friend's home in Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. What did I say? Melbourne, Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, and the, where the family was actually contacted by another news outlet. You know, everybody's favorite. You know, newspaper rag, The Sun at the time. Um, and this was, they were contacted by one Suzanne McDonald, uh, who was reporting for the Melbourne sun at the time. And, uh, she actually requested, you know, I guess Sean was the one, the 21 year old who had been driving, uh, was the one to answer the phone and, and answer for the family, uh, on this request for a sit down interview. But he said that, that sure that he would be happy to do that uh, on the condition of being paid five thousand dollars for That's his day story. rate. This is day rate. Well, to be honest, I'm like this. This that part of the story. I'm like this is a fucking twenty one year old. Who could you imagine a twenty one year old like twenty one year old? Someone's just like here's five grand. You're just like holy shit. Like even split with your family. Like for like you're like yeah, holy shit. Thousand bucks. Strings. Right, mom's pulling the strings. But then, but then you're like, you get another story. He's like, yeah, I'll do it for five thousand dollars again. That's what they paid me last time to do it. Like, this seems like a twenty-one year old's response of being like, I'll do yeah, it for right. five grand. Well, yeah, but if they're like, if he's like, yeah, I'll do it for five, they say no, and be like, okay, I'll take fucking twelve bucks. Just whatever, whatever <laughs> I need, you know, doesn't matter. You got. Well, you he got probably some extra he probably thought because of how how quick people were kind of pursuing the story that this was going to be. A regular getting paid, so I could see him being like, tur- like hardball, like yeah, oh, five grand. No, then no, I'm not doing it. Thinking that uh, another call was coming. Yeah, and and this story appeared in a number of uh, newspapers and a number of uh, news programs and stuff like that. It actually kind of it got out and it was reported. It kind of flew all over the place within the next couple of days. Like you know, family reports being attacked by UFO headlines. Like makes for good UFO you know, attack headlines or whatever. Yeah, um, the, you know, the son declined. To pay them five thousand dollars, they declined the interview. They said no. Well, no, then. <laughs> um, and so you might think that okay, uh, maybe this family—it's just them. Apparently, at, at the beginning, you're like, it's just them, as we told you. Like, it's you know, maybe that other that other car that they almost swerved into that was that had been pull, pulling a caravan down the opposite lane. Uh, somebody would be able to 
find them. Nobody's been able to find them. Nobody knows who they are. But apparently, there was a truck driver who was later identified as Graham Henley who was driving along that same stretch of road. Um, and they estimated like the distance like between him uh, and the, the Knowles family is probably he was about 15, uh, 10 to 15 kilometers ahead of them. And he actually reported when, when people tried to you know, suss out like exactly what was going on. Cause I think he, he actually was with them. Like he met with the family or he kind of pulled into the same roadhouse as the family, like just a little bit before they did and saw them yeah. being distraught about what they had seen. Um, you know, and he managed they, some reporters managed to, to track him down as well. And he said that actually he described seeing a glowing object similar or, you know, a glowing object in the way, in the direction of where the um, Noel's family had been behind him. He saw some kind of strange, unidentifiable. Yeah, and I can give you the rest of the story for another five grand. What were they charging? 2,500. Yeah. So yeah, this is a case of, uh, you're not really sure. Like you have an entire family in the car uh, something happens. Uh, they, they see some type of light. Now you have things that could possibly like your first go-tos as a skeptic, you're going to be like, well, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, it was a light. Like maybe it was just like a car headlight coming in the opposite direction. And then you could add another car, like, you know, just pulled up behind them and they started going. Um, and they, they, you know, you're tired. It's 13 hours. They've been driving constantly on the road. Early I, and I morning would, hours. And I would buy into all those as easily explanations for the situation if there wasn't already a fucking light possible UFO thing plaguing this fucking area for like the last hundred years. Like this story has been told so many times with the Min Min lights. Right. Yeah. Right? Like we've heard this so many times. Like, and it's the exact same situation where in the outback you've got a ball of light that's sometimes white orange red that's following these cars now can we explain the min min lights you know with a scientific background and you know potentially it being a mirage or something like that potentially but like we've had these ufo stories for how long in this area yeah well i think the min min lights are a different part of australia but that doesn't mean that they couldn't get to the south I mean, I think most of the Min Min Light reports were in uh, in Queensland. Yes, yeah, like the other side of the country, but, but yeah, exactly. But there have been other ones, right? And if it is a UFO, what would the difference be for a <laughs> UFO to travel from one area of fucking Australia to the other? And yeah, and also you have the fact of like actual, you know, Faye reporting having actual physical contact with whatever was on top of their car, like this spongy, rubbery rare. Uh, material yeah, that you that. reached out there and and she, you know, she reported touching. Now I could be like, okay, maybe like, were you touching like a piece of your luggage on the car? Like, I'm not exactly sure hot. 100% how their luggage stuff was arranged on top of the car. I don't think they had one of those, what is it, Thule or whatever, like the little toy shells. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's that yeah. you don't have one of those. Like you don't have, I don't think they had one of those. Like, uh, you know, like Andrew said, you know, National Lampoon style, was it just like lashed down on top? They said bungee cables and, like, just stretched over yeah, the fucking thing. And were you just touching a suitcase or something like that? But, she, you know, I am assuming that she knew like what, what she would be touching if she were up there. So this was out of the ordinary as to what she expected to, to touch out there. 
Um, she said it was warm and, and she said it was warm enough that like she, she figured that she should have been burned or something. Like when, when she touched it, like it was hot enough for her to kind of probably either like, you know, jerk her hand back. Yeah. Like jerk her hand back or, you know, quickly and pull it back in, probably expecting to be burned. Let me, let how me warm ask it you, was. let me ask you this, Dan. Yeah. Quick question for you. Sure. You're sitting in the backseat of your car and you go to reach up on the roof and yeah. you feel a fucking even a just a warm, spongy, mm-hmm. wet something Anything. that just landed on your roof. Uh, how fast do you recoil your hand? Oh, I pull that back real fast. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, just, yeah. I'd be like, ah, there's something yeah. on there. And then you warm. shake it. <laughs> <laughs> especially um, you come back with like soot and shit on your hand. You'd be like, what the fuck is that? I, like, yeah. Honestly, in my head, soot's the best case scenario to come back on your hand in that situation. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This is Australia. Yeah. That could have been a giant anything on your roof. Yeah. <laughs> That's poisonous so, and wants to kill you. Like like the, the like the the substance that they're pulling back in uh off her hand. Like I could be like okay, maybe like you've been you're driving on a desert road. Like if you put your hand outside the car and you like you touch on top of the car, it's going to have something on your mm-hmm. hand. Like you're going to have you're going to have dust, you're going to have whatever, I would assume. Um uh yeah, touching the rubbery thing is what kind of that yeah, that's something really weird that it'd be like that's not normal, you know. When I think about it, like like Brain said, like you're touching like a living thing. It's like a like a dolphin. If anybody's ever touched like a dolphin or like an underwater, you know, dolphin or a whale or whatever, like yeah. if you ever touch their skin, you know, it's it feels like that kind of. That's why I imagine in my head it's it's something like that. Um, you know, maybe it's just a giant flying alien rubber ducky. I don't know. Like just sitting <laughs> on top of the car. <laughs> well, um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Dan. No, go ahead. I was thinking that like, so for me, I was like, you know, they're getting tailed by this thing. There's I had two thoughts. I said like, okay, why would these things be um, going to Australia? And then I thought, you know, like Australia's got to have one of the most like, it's got to have some of the most unique biodiversity on earth that you can't find shit anywhere else. Fucking deadly plants, deadly animals, de- reptiles, you know what I mean? So it's like, it would make sense if these things are coming to collect you know, the, the manzanita bushes in the area that they'd be coming to Australia um, more often than the rest of the world because a lot of these things you can find, it, it, you know, everywhere, different versions. But in Australia, they kind of have like isolated stuff. And then I was thinking of these lights when they turned around. If that light is pursuing them still and whatever this is, suction cups their roof. Because that's what I imagine this sponge thing was doing is it, it, it actually like, grip the car and lifted it up, right? This, whatever this sponge thing that was on top, it wasn't a light, it wasn't a hover. Um, And then made me think of like, is this some sort of like, you know, unique craft that is made of biological material, right? It's a living craft? Like some sort of, exactly, some sort of living craft that picks up their car because maybe hypothetically say, whatever species this is or whatever alien or whatever technology this is coming, it, this is the first encounter. And maybe it truly thought that these vehicles were organisms, right? Like we're some sort of creature. It picks it up, realizes that it's a vehicle, drops it, right? Boom. As it starts to realize that the the occupants are inside, then it seems to fuck off. So right? it gave it a little taste? Saying, yeah, a little, saying, uh, little, little lick test. Yeah, with its spongy tongue. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and there there are a couple other um, when when 
a number of other outlets like got a hold of this story and like kind of kind of went into it as well. Um, they had some kind of experts lend their their views about possible explanations about what could have done it. Um, one one explanation that I liked was there is um, <laughs> so I, I found out that in Australia. Uh, whirlwinds and sandstorms apparently have the uh, nicknames of Willy Willies. Willy Willies, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that fits, yeah. That fits, I, makes sense. I, I had a good laugh for about three minutes <laughs> about what it was and Boy, exactly like willy, I had to look at Get indoors, it's a Willy Willy. I read it. I read it in an Australian periodical. Like I, I read it in a, like in a, a like an old print magazine that they wrote it, and I was like a Willy Willy. I was like, is that a real thing? Is that is that what they really call it? And it, it, that sent me down a whole rabbit hole of people like being like. I looked up some internet posts, and people were like, nobody in Australia calls a you know a Willy like a whirlwind a Willy Willy. And I was like, but it's printed right there in an Australia. It's not like an American like said that. Oh, these are also called Willy Willies. It's like no, this is this is an Australian periodical written by Australian people. <laughs> it's called a Willy Willy. Um, which is great. I, I feel like somebody was said like whirlwind and then like an, like an Aussie in the Outback, like just couldn't say whirlwind. Really? And it's just stuck, stuck I ever assume. since. Yeah. It's just so okay. Australia's Braden yeah. coined it a willy willy. <laughs> yeah. It's just marble mouth. Yeah, just, just like yeah, drunk yeah. Braden trying to yeah, make up words. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the explanations is that maybe like a, a dust devil whirlwind sent a willy willy got a hold of them, like got, like they drove through it at late at night, you know, the early, early hours of the morning and it like got under the car and like picked it up like a little bit is what they're saying. Like the, the kid was just like still booking it. Maybe he got spooked by a, um, it was a, a type of the Min Min lights, which one of the explanations is like there's a, a light phenomenon that happens, you know, uh, when you're driving, it could have been, a, I would say like, it'd have to be like a, a bunch of things, not just one explanation for this. It could be like, you know, inverted, uh, you know, temperature, inverted lights. It, it, the scientific explanations sound weirder than just saying aliens. Like, right. it, it <laughs> like does, people, this, <laughs> this is one of those ones where it's like, you know, you try to, you know, Occam's razor, whatever the simplest explanation is. But then when you start to be like, yeah, a whirlwind of Willy Willy picked up a ve the vehicle. It's like, no, there's no fucking way that it would have had to been so fucking goddamn windy out for like, that to pick up a vehicle. Right. Um, so yeah, that's an explanation I liked mostly for just the willy willy part. I thought that was funny. Um, another one is there was a there was a lecturer from uh, the University of Wollongong. It's a real place, I guess. Wollongong. I swear to God, I read some of these names on these. I'm like, is this a real place? Well, there's a place in Australia we talked about before called Humpty Doo. So anything's possible. Yeah, I'm like, are you just making these up yeah. <laughs> as we go along? <laughs> like, I, I feel like somebody was just like driving along. I, and I think it's funny, like the farther away you get from the, you know, the more populous city is like the weirder their names get on the things I felt like they just didn't care. Like they got to these towns and they just named them whatever. Like well, let's just like, name this town as stupid as possible or, and some of them, but some of them, um, some I of believe them are indigenous are, names, right? That's they? what like, I was going to say. It was like a lot <laughs> of these are indigenous. Yeah. A lot of these are no, indigenous no, what names. What you said is they're stupid. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. And you said, no one that's cares about I these felt, stupid names. <laughs> that's how I felt originally about it. I felt like somebody was saying that I thought, and then, you know, I realized I was like, no, a lot of these names yeah. come from indigenous uh, cultures in the area that, you know, that named these and these, these meet, 
between real things and their language. So, you know, I learned a little bit and I corrected myself and I put myself in a different mind space. And I was like, yes, these make a lot more sense. Just in the last five minutes, yes. So, holy shit, holy shit, people learn and grow. Is that crazy? That's so nuts. Oh my God. I wonder, I wonder what part of this brain's going to clip. So you had a lecturer, Glenn Moore, uh, put forth the idea that um, perhaps it was like a meteor that landed in the vicinity and that this could have accounted for the glow that they had seen. And then also it said that perhaps like this would have accounted for the strange smell that the family uh, reported. Uh, you know, smelling in their car, like this, this strange, like burning or uh, like an, like I think they said maybe like an asphalt kind of, kind of smell. But this thing chased, uh, it didn't it, they did U-turn and this thing them. followed yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. I'm like, did the, like, was it like coming straight at them? Was it like a, like this meteor, like coming straight at them, like glancing off the car and then going in behind them or something? Like, it'd just be really crazy. Like that's a, I mean, that's a real stretch, I think. A- it could have ensued some type of like panic, a little bit of hysteria, and they're just like, oh, fuck, it's after us. And when it's actually not, it's just in the vicinity of them. And then they just take off. A little sleep, de- right. sleep deprived hysteria. Sleep derived. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep wanting to go and be like, you know, maybe there's just another, can, they saw the light, like perhaps they saw the meteorite, like maybe yeah. that was coming in. That went past them. Like it went, maybe it came in low and they, they thought it was, you know, again, early hours in the morning, a little bit tired, swerved to get out of the way because it was, coming at them and then when they pull back on the road they look back and maybe there's just another pair of headlights like behind them like car and that car is probably freaking out because they just saw they just saw the car in front of them speed over into the other lane and then pull back over for a meteor and so as they pull over to the side or whatever like you know they took off and then they probably you know accelerated pulled off to the side of the road, the car just keeps going past and it just doesn't ever think about it. But I feel like that story got so much traction that somebody should have, you know, somebody would have picked up and be like, no, 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 that was me in my car or whatever. But then again, you have the caravan that apparently, or the the, the other car that they swerved into, those people never, those people never said anything. Those people never came forward because it would have seemed like that was something you would have remembered. Like right. just a, a news story that appeared like, you know, uh, 36 hours after you had just almost had a head-on <laughs> collision with another vehicle, you'd probably remember it. So, you would hope. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a whole bunch of strange things that happen. And then, but the thing is, like, after this, family, like, almost, like, never spoke of it, like, ever again. Like, it's just, oh. like, they never, they never recalled the story. Like it was enough to be like they, they, you know, they went on, they went on that one news program, and you can pull that that clip up on YouTube of them actually going on to the the, the news program. Watching that, like I do not watch that and think. And this is you're looking at these people, you're watching them this and knowing this is 36 hours after this event. They they seem like still in shock. They when they're recounting it, like they don't strike me as lying about anything because they don't they don't really have any really good answers for anything they just kind of tell and then they're like they're asked and they're like i don't really know how to explain it like i I don't like they're at a loss for words for every little portion and to me i'm like if you're a lot of the time i mean if this was if if i were to believe this is a hoax and these this family got together and hoaxed you think there would be like there would be a little bit more charismatic to the lie 
You know what I mean? Like if you're like, oh, we're gonna lie. Oh, a little oh. more theatrics. Yeah, you're like up a little bit. Hey, let's yeah. call. Let's call the police and let's do this hoax. You think you would have a better, like a little more to it? Because they really, they're just sit there. Like you watch them, they don't seem like they're acting. They genuinely seem shy and like, like just not knowing what to say. Like it, it's. I believe them. I believe something happened to them when I watched that interview. Um, this is one of those cases that I look at and it's like, I'm really disappointed that the UFO researchers like didn't get a hold of the family first. Like they didn't, that they weren't able to get their sit down interviews done uh, before they got put into the media blender. Like they got put mm -hmm. into the, 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 evening news like is trying to pick out all of the parts that only the parts are going to be like interesting and then when you ask the family that family has like no idea because they've just been like you know I, you've been driving for how long and like you just got them off the road and they like they're just like you, you bring them in there you know they do all the makeup you do everything set them up in this studio and all this junk and it's like rather would have just had them sit down with some ufo researchers who are genuinely interested in what they experienced and kind of to, to get them in a more comfortable setting. Like, I just wish that would have, events would have, full un, if, if maybe they had unfolded differently, like you, that would have happened. Because I've, I feel like even that, like back in the 80s, like UFO researchers, and I, I feel like even like Australian UFO researchers had like a better handle. It was still like, you know, you still had your, um, there was some credibility in the field, even though some today you could argue that some do have more or less credibility, but you know, there are a lot more, I would, I would contend absolutely 100%. There are a lot more shysters in the UFO thing than there were back then. Back then. Maybe, maybe proportionally, I don't know, but I feel like that if the UFO researchers would have got there, we would have, we would have had a lot more like concrete information to kind of go off at least like a single narrative as opposed to like just different things that got picked up out of the story. Like Brayden said, like, you know, it was shaped like an egg. They never actually said that, um, you know, or that, you know, they just kind of made a, the Sean just made like a vague, like a vague motion with his hands about what it looked like um, yeah. on the, on the thing. And uh, they didn't have a lot. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of answers on their, on their interview, like on their, you know, live interview with the news on um, the news program. And I, I just like, I, I really wish like this would have went in there as even though today it is still talked about, still remarked on. I just feel like there was a missed opportunity that maybe um, stuff could have been more enlightening if a, you know, actual researchers who had dealt with this stuff before actually um, it's had been the first I mean, on the scene. It's, it's a huge plus that the, after listening to the account, the authorities recommended them to talk to UFO researchers because I'll tell you right now, you went to the into any RCMP station in Canada, they Get will the never give out. you that. They'll yeah. be like, they'll they will never be like, hey, you should go talk. Have you called MUFON? Have you talked to a local MUFON representative? Never. That's never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, so it, that to me was really an interesting that the police. Because to me, that points to that there's enough of these weird things happening that they've reached out and they have contacts of who to talk to. This isn't a one-off thing. like Because like if you... To me, I, I would think it, it gives a little more substance to this for me because I go, well, what what else do the police there know that they're when people come in, they're recommending them to go talk to these experts, right? 
I thought that I found that quite interesting. Yeah, and plus the fact that it's like in the in the whole like you know they offered him five thousand dollars and they said nobody can can print your story or you can't do your interview with anybody else and they can't touch the car, and it's like. Even though the police like took, apparently the police took, you know, from their stuff, they, they took samples from the car and nothing really came of it. But I feel like they found some ash, some ash. Well, there's ash on the roof and in, in the interior and they took both and ended up from what I read, they actually sent it to a guy who worked at NASA of some kind. And the, Mm -hmm. the, the only thing that came back was the substances on the exterior and interior of the car were different. But that there was no, nothing else said. <laughs> yeah. It's the outside was different from the inside. It was no, no, on I, no. I didn't take it as that. I did, I took it as the substances on the outside and inside were different in the sense of different from what we have on Earth. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it's a great way so to interpret. It would be, it would be super interesting. It would be yeah. interesting to yeah. get to if there like was still like a vial of this black ash and actually do yeah. like a full analysis, printed out, right all the elements, what's in it. Was it perhaps maybe a meteorite, maybe it was like some type of sky burst or something and it like fell on the car. Like who knows? Like, yeah, because we don't, because that's all it was. There was, du- there was the jelly-like tentacle thing, spongy thing. She touched it. <laughs> ah! There was the dust. There was the feeling of being picked up and dropped, but we don't have anything that we can test now. It's like, but it is an interesting encounter in the fact that they never pursued the full they didn't get the book. They didn't get the movie. They didn't. They just never really talked. They got five thousand dollars. Five thousand bucks. Never really talked about it again, and probably scarred for the rest of their life. Whatever happened to him that night? Mm-hmm. It's a cool one. UFO attack. Could, Not too many of those around. Yeah. Not too many. But like like Andrew said, it's it's weird that the second they showed intent to this thing, this thing showed intent back. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, they're lucky they just didn't become another Frederick Valentich. They didn't just like mm. disappear off yeah. the uh, the face of the earth. Um, you know, you actually had you know they made it through it and they fucking booked it out of the thing. It's just just one of those strange one offs that are always always fun to look at. Like even if it were there were some, uh, you know, if there were a solid explanation as to what occurred, like Zell said, something happened, but it's a still a puzzle. Like what what actually happened? And unless you have somebody, you know. One of those, the car that they swerved into or somebody else who had happened to been on the road that night come forward and, and tell us what actually happened or they saw um, either to back up their story or to, you know, uh, to put it, put it in a different light. Well, you know, you might never know about what it is. It'll just stay a, a fun mystery. <laughs> Boom. Cool case. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Were you... Do you live in this region? Is there something? Is there something else that we don't know about? Like the Min Min? Are lights? there more fun is, names? Is that more, Are there su- more fun names? Is this maybe more supernatural than ET? Is there some type of flying cryptid? Well, yeah, and well, you know, kind of. That's the other thing that I kind of thought of too was that maybe whatever was um, the light was pursuing whatever was on top of the roof. If it wasn't too their luggage. Thing. Oh, yeah, so wait, like <laughs> wait, so there's two separate entities? There's something on the roof and there's Maybe. something well, stalking yeah. it? The spongy well, thing is being followed by the light. By the light, right? I wasn't sure of that because like the there was never they never said in their interview that the lights disappeared. Like it wasn't like they were like, where's the light? All of a sudden, when I was reading this and listening to their accounts, is it sounds like the light was still in pursuit of them. Then something's on top of their car. Boom. She feels it. What ah! screaming? The car gets lifted. The car drops. The light and 
whatever disappear. They go off. They blow the tire. Go in the ditch. Maybe they maybe they were picking something up, and maybe that thing got loose and was trying to take the family, and then the light was something they pursuing it. Maybe catching them from the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then them, so the thing was suction cuffed to the roof yep. and they got picked up in the air when they pulled it off. And then the thing uh, let oh, go with a car yeah. on a drop. Oh, that's a good, yeah. and because where else would some sort of interstellar predator, you know, traveling the vastest of space go than other than Australia, right? Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. Easy. Right? Does does Australia have thinner ozone? <laughs> it did. Right? It 100% it did. did. It's been- it 100% it's right? oh. slowly regrowing, but the ozone there is still much thinner, and you can get scorched in a second. So maybe that's that was the entry point for these. Uh, it put a fucking <laughs> rift in the ozone when it entered. Yeah, because I think that's right. actually when the peak happened somewhere in the eighties of the, the. Yeah, the ozone is what protects us from the. Uh, well, because the they burn up intergalactic the, predators. Yeah, they burn up coming in, right? Right. So they can't. <laughs> Because what's ozone? Right? It's like, it's and like that was why it was burnt. It was all. It was all. That's why they got the dust because it was burnt coming in. Burnt right? from, from the, from the friction. <clears throat> right. It was. It, it has some sort of organic flesh that was charbroiled as it was coming into the as it was coming through the ozone into our atmosphere. Right. When she touched it, I, it's all that I would not. Hand. I would that's not want to meet. Burnt. I would not want to meet Case the organism that can survive. Closed. Atmospheric reentry, yeah. <laughs> like I would, I would, and has a hunger for human cars. For what nineteen eighty four blue tail stars? <laughs> I don't want to ever meet that on a dark Australian highway. <laughs> Interesting thought, though. Awesome, yeah. fun case. All right, we never talked about theory of the week, so this week we're not going to give one. So, well, I got you, one. You got one. Yeah, I got one. Oh, is it you? Uh, if it's you, know, you, you better shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, shut it's, the fuck up. You know, e- easy way for you to get uh, a theory of the week. Uh, head to iTunes, Spotify. Leave us a nice five-star review. You like the show? It's an easy way, free way to help the Let show. Let us know. Let us know. Um, you know, pump our tires and, go <laughs> and give us a five-star review. Like this beauty. Uh, Irfan401 from the UK, your theorite of the week. He sent in a five-star uh, review it says life-changing podcast. I cannot believe my luck at finding the podcast. I've been listening for a few months now and it has changed my life exponentially. I have grown in height to over six inches, over six inches. <laughs> I have lost 50 pounds and I am mm-hmm. developing the chiseled features of a Greek God. Women mm. find me irresistible <laughs> to the point of gathering in crowds outside my home. My income has doubled and my health has become outstanding. All this after <laughs> mm-hmm. just listening to three episodes of the show. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Excellent gang yeah. of presenters and always great topics. Keep up the good works from uh, Adrian from Wales. Boom, yeah. Adrian. Hilarious. We, we've, had, yeah. we've had a couple of emails like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It I must mean, be it's, true. <laughs> it's a common effect. Common effect. Everybody yeah. on Patreon. You think people would go on the internet and just yeah. lie about these things? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Do you want, your, <laughs> you want your life to exponentially get better too? Join us on Patreon. On Patreon.com yeah. slash Alien Theorist Podcast. Uh, you're, you'll grow in height. You'll lose weight. Uh, Adrian, could you send us in a before and after picture yeah. so we can put them up on the live stream, <laughs> yeah. please? Yeah. You know what? There's tons um, of people right now who made all of these New Year's resolutions to get in shape, to make more money. It's super simple. You join Patreon and they all come <laughs> true. 
Yeah. Well, here's That's the, it. I don't know if you've realized this, but if you've been watching this for long enough, you've seen us slowly get balder and uglier because we're sacrificing all our essence to you to make you better people. Yeah. All right. That's the sacrifice. That's we're what we do. To make. It's true. Yeah. It's what we do. It might, you think I hurt my back? You think my back's hurt? That's sympathy pain from <laughs> all the sore backs of our Patreon supporters who no longer have sore backs since they've signed up. You're, you're like Jesus. You take everyone's pain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. You, th Absolutely. you think that neat pink light in uh, Brayden's uh, new recording studio is from that little, uh, from the actual neon sign? No, it's the dark crystal. And the yeah. dark crystal is sapping his <laughs> essence and we store it and then we broadcast it over uh, over into our podcast yeah. uh, into our podcast, and, and send it on to you. All of this to rejuvenate for your you. entertainment. Right, yeah. and our Skeksis and, and our Skeksis lords, like we do that. Yes. At our uh, top tier for Patreon, you actually get a vial of theoretical spring water. <laughs> okay, theoretical spring water will kill, cure you from all your fucking all ailments. ailments, and that's top tier. So mm -hmm. let us know. We'll yeah. send it your way. <laughs> it's not just Braden's sweat in a bag. Yeah, it's, quite it's not Braden's bath water. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretical <laughs> spring water. Yeah, and it's it's just the hose level, water. you can still you can still get all of these, you know, phenomenal, life changing, you know, products for just five dollars a month on our Patreon. Right? Just, just, <laughs> just you get it all. Just not go. the theoretical spring water. Not the, not the spring that's water extra. Yet. You got to pay extra for that, but yeah, that's extra. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to help your theorites, your theorists out, you know where to go by now. You go to aliantheorist.com. You hit the support tab. You can choose Patreon or Supercast. Get the show early, ad-free, all the bonus shit, and make all of your New Year's resolutions come true. <laughs> this week's newest supporters, Andrew, to start us off, buddy. Uh, this week, we've got Harriet Westlake. We've got Rodolfo Monaco moving up. That's a, Oof, that's a good name. Doubled. What this a guy's, fucking good this name. This guy's got abs now. Yeah. Rodolfo <laughs> Monaco. This guy's got abs now. Rodolfo's got abs now. Yeah. You know what his um, name was got, before? Rudolph. Now it's Rodolfo Monaco. It's a cool sounding name. Ever since he joined. we got Blake Stan. Yeah. <laughs> we've got... <laughs> we've got uh, another, another bump up by... Mac, ac, 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 ac. Oh, yeah, and then it's another bump song. up by Deborah Bushy. Bushy. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, the Bushy. Bushy. <laughs> yeah, the heart attack. Ac, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking yeah. too. Uh, we got uh, pledged by Marissa. Uh, we've got Robert, 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 Robert Daniel Wellosin, Javier Hernandez, uh, John Shonson, Matt Schoel. Nice. And Lauren Show. Andrews. <laughs> We've got Lucas Batley. We've got Beanhead. Beanhead. <laughs> We've got John Hardesty. Hardesty? Hardesty? Is that one of those? Uh, John yeah. Hardesty. Is, that's Alicia, isn't that Alicia Hartman's dad? Mm -hmm. <laughs> cat, buddy. Yevgeny. It's, it's Yevgeny or Yevgeny Levich. And we've got Sean Johnson. We also got Nathan Frizzle. Death Grips is online. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Whatever that would search that's probably some company. We got Craptacular. <laughs> Great name. We got Derek and Angela Martin splitting the tier. You can do Deeper. that. We we support it. And we last but not least, we have Tori Armstrong supporting the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, and before we leave, all all promised. <laughs> 
life-changing events are uh, must be paired with exercise, uh, well-balanced diet, diet uh, hard work, hard work, uh, plastic surgery, and, and uh, they banging work. and clanging, eat yeah. your vitamins. Yeah, uh, and as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. See you next. Peace. <laughs>